0: Episode 151 of The Michael Anthony Show, which is, regardless of what a lot of the listeners say regarding my uh, propensity for not showing up, a remarkable achievement. And I didn't um, celebrate 150 to the same extent as I did in episode 50 or even episode 100 with a um, completely over-the-top self-indulgent intro. Because although the names and the quality of the show has been phenomenal between 100 and 150, I mean, we penetrated Hollywood, David Chase, John C. McGinley, Steve Anzant, Chaz Palmentary, Rupert Everett, that on top of the likes of Brian Robson and Yap Stam. It's not normal. There would be every reason to celebrate. But knowing the levels I expect of this production, 100 to 150 was a dark time for the show for a variety of reasons. So, although I like to think we provided some classics for the loyal listenership who should be rating on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts as we speak, it's a period I want to move on from. The sinking sand of Honest with my listenership, and I value your experience. Unlike James Corden, who some of you will think I'm about to comment on due to the fact that he plagiarised Ricky Gervais' joke regarding a town hall and the guitar lessons, that average enough stuff. Um, but that's not why. It's because he is now sunk solo in order to compete with YouTubers who are making claims like they could beat Canelo in a boxing match and getting watched 5 million times for it, or that women belong in kitchens, and getting 10 million views for that. In order to compete with that, which is at the end of the day killing late night TV, which never was known for its high level of depth, or for being in any way an intellectual industry. Something that already sold James Corden driving in a car that was being wheeled by a production team in front of him pretending to be a 17-year-old Mount Anvil girl who just received an 0-4 golf from her dad to make up for the fact that he was shagging the nanny. Um, which, by the way, James Corden starts the carpool karaoke with, for some reason, pretending to ring the celebrity and ask, can they help him get to work? Uh, how lazy is that? That riding. Um, he's driving. I don't know I don't what, what, what do you mean by help. It's, it's just absolute scum of what they would say now content so if you're stooping that low anyway and your views are being nicked by people who are going scummer and talking about the last porn star that they shagged or how they are the next Muhammad Ali you shouldn't be surprised when they go lower and that, and that rock bottom moment happened when having been more famous than usual last week for getting kicked out of a restaurant, something in which Ricky Gervais commented on, fueling Rumors of a feud between him and James Gordon, which probably doesn't exist. Gervais would be someone who would just think Gordon is um, completely beneath them, who peeked at Gavin and Stacy, and now dances around an American stage like a fat real estate agent. Um, whilst Corden would kind of know Gervais to an extent stayed authentic throughout his rise and probably would envy him, and for that reason, definitely already knew Gervais's. Uh, guitar lesson joke which also therefore um, undermines any argument that his writers did it to stitch him up because he's such a bad employer. Corden was famous last week for getting kicked out of a restaurant. It increased the views. It made the show more important than it had been for the month previous. So they wanted to keep that going, make him viral on Twitter again and have him deliberately copy a Ricky Gervais joke so the likes of Gervais would comment on it again and numerous other media outlets and celebrities would share it and tweet it and expand this James Corden is the villain myth because they are learning from YouTubers that it doesn't matter if you're doing something of respect or something that is absolutely disgusting. Fame and virality is all that matters. So Corden's willing to be the villain character now. He's not staying in America too much longer. He doesn't really care about anything other than money. Hence, he's handed in any integrity he had as a comedic artist uh, for what he does now. And they play the game and they did it well. But you're the problem if you think that there was anything accidental to him who has numerous writers uh, who were on extremely good money considering the fact that they get to have crack for a living. Um, if you believe that no one in that room would have known that Gervais said that as one of the leading stand-up comedians in the world with him being a fellow Englishman to Corden, uh, someone who definitely keeps an eye on his work, you're just you're just playing the game of naivety. And you're the same people who probably rooted for Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather, thinking he had half a chance which has now caused um, Jake Paul fighting people who have grandkids. The last guy, he fought, has a, has a grandchild. He's 47. JFK got shot at 46, guys. When we look at JFK, get his literal fucking head blown off, none of us are thinking that he went too young. We're thinking, and why didn't they clip his bird after when she's on the back of the fucking truck? This is a fucking, this is a remarkably confusing event. But none of us are thinking, the poor young man, we're thinking, fossil. Anderson Silva's 47. Although we might all know deep down, it's all bullshit, it's all bullshit, the consumption justifies it. And eventually we will replace the concept of being good at something with just being known for something. So he will slowly, accidentally become the most important boxer in the world because his fights will have the biggest cultural impact, a culture that I have absolutely no fucking intention of being been part of, and one that makes me sick every single fucking day, and one that is James Corden deliberately copying jokes in order to get intentionally criticized, to try and compete with the even lower art which we didn't think would come along. But then some fucker filmed himself in a zoo and it became YouTube. Very simple idea. It's, it's like people expressing shock at Matt Hancock now going into I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And opinions on his hypocrisy surrounding lockdown. Why would any of that surprise you? Just look at his running technique. Look how he grabs that woman who he is, again, in Dublin they use the word meeting. It's when a 14-year-old has a static, open mouth kiss um, with a woman who has at least two airwaves still in her mouth. He's meeting her in his office as a major decision-maker of the country. He has such little self-belief and security within his own soul when he is shifting. I tried to get Matt Hancock on this show because I wanted to provide the listeners to show you guys that this individual, along with those who also represent his party, aren't there to be taken seriously. And he had an assistant get on to me around four weeks later saying that he can't do it right now, but what I like, a tour of Parliament. On behalf of Matt, in which I couldn't meet him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Obviously, he's eating kangaroo bollocks in front of Anton Deck. He's Matt Hancock. He's a mile off. And very few left in popular culture aren't. And I think, and some of you have asked me for my opinion on this, um, the Arctic monkeys are one of the exceptions. Having been part of one of the major pieces of Arctic Monkeys news of the last decade, that been with Andy Nicholson detailing how he left the band, um, that does appear on Alex Turner's Wikipedia numerous times, and believe it or not, not edited by me. And as that voice, I will answer a lot of your questions and say that, the latest record is one of the greatest pieces of art produced in the last five years because it's honest. They come along in 06 and tell us they want to finger birds in chippers. They then move on to Favourite Worst Nightmare in which their hearts are growing a bit and their focus on non-cliche, dirty rock riffs increases. They then move on to Humbug in that early 20s stage in which weed is probably been smoked more and existence is getting more questionable. They then leave that depression slightly, to escape reality, and become actors, in order to avoid those dark thoughts you get in that early twenties period. And they they really suck at and see. With do-up barnets and ridiculous clothing on. So then they realize this, we've we've done a lot of work here. We've put our hearts into everything. Although some of them came across as insincere, such as suck at and see. We were escaping. Our questions about the world that were scaring the shit out of us a bit, and it was all getting a little bit grim. So after putting in all this work, album one, two, three, and four, we now need fame. We need to cash in on this. We need notoriety. This needed to definitely serve a purpose that means we don't have to work again if we ever want to stop. And that's when AM was released. That's what broke them in America, although not my favorite Arctic Monkeys record. I appreciate that they had to do it. And if they didn't do it, we probably wouldn't get, for me, their two greatest albums ever. And that is Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, which Turner was in a way coming down from mildly selling out with the previous album. And still couldn't really look us in the eye and he wore sunglasses and adopted a character that was, I haven't just lived in America. I've abused American culture and I'm an alcoholic and doing it in your face and singing ridiculous lyrics, sounding like I'm in a hotel lobby, but I'm clearly moving in to a different style of music that when I get it right will be more personal and more honest. But he was hiding. You could see it with his body language, his arms, everything he was doing. But now, him at 36, with the Barnet being a a little bit less controversial and the clothing just being stylish as opposed to statement orientated, we have him essentially telling us that I've shared all the battles that you all go through with all of my albums but there comes a point even if you have stuck to all your beliefs in the previous years and you feel isolated I feel like there's nowhere to turn and that you have to adopt characters or have to go through stages of darkness there comes a point if you stay real you will be 36 still honest but more stable and that's for me what this album is it's the I'm free album I'm not pretending to be cool anymore. I genuinely now, although I've always pretended it because I'm a rock and roll star, I genuinely now don't care what anybody thinks of me bar the people I love. And I'm genuinely now just mates with my bandmates. And they're not kind of staring at me going, we kind of should have left this operation years ago. This should just be a solo project. We have nearly no role in the writing. We're just enjoying each other's company. And with the other three all settled down, I think all having kids, and Turner being the the guy who refused to um, give in to life, has gone from relationship to relationship, was remaining rock and roll the whole time, but in a way hiding and seeming unstable in many situations, such as those last Shadow Puppets tours and stuff like that, where he's just acting wild on the stage, but putting on a form of extroversion that just doesn't suit his beautiful introverted soul. You can kind of tell they're not looking at him any- anymore going we appreciate your talent but we don't feel what you feel anymore and he's not looking at them going fuck you. I'm going all out there and if you don't fancy it um, get the fuck out of my band. You can tell there's an agreement now. I'm cool with who I am. I am the talent. I'm the one who's made all the money. I'm the guy who's taken us all on this journey and you're all safer guys who play your instruments but there's a lot to learn from from each year. That doesn't mean I'm going to abide by the way you want to live life but it means for fuck's sake we're going to have fun with you and we're all going to be 50 soon we're all going to be 60 and there's no more Alex Turner pretending to be a 1960s rock and roll star because I wasn't around in the heyday I didn't die with a needle in my arm I'm your mate from Sheffield and although you're welcome for the incredible life I'm also sorry And I'm back. Don't get emotional. It's not like you. Mr. Schwartz is staying strong for the crew. He's done it again. And as somebody who has always used the Arctic monkeys as something to lean on as a human being. And you can go back to episode 53 with Andy Nicholson and hear us discuss things like how they decided how you were going to act when you were 15, trying to appeal to the the woman who just thought you were wearing too much jupe-jump. And then when he comes out in 2013, he kind of allows you to be overly expressive and take risks that you know you shouldn't be taking in terms of um, how you're advertising yourself to other people but no, you need to to break away from your old character Turner's always been an inspiration in that way and this one it's just one that provides hope because as I said the music on the last one was great but he was was too mental do we all have to stay this mental now? no we don't come with me I've been in the company of Alex Turner on two occasions the first one's a story that I have told before but fuck we've time I'll do it again um i'm at a point of possible um what you could deem immaturity for a 20 year old and that is basing a lot of my appearance and ideology on that of alex turner's but for me it was a necessity because the immaturity wasn't there in other walks of life but i was trying to run away from something so to have him as the guide to tell you how to chase women but not be afraid of heartbreak because heartbreak can be cool when it happens you just kind of be the secure bloke who's talking about things the other dudes won't do um, it was in that era, in 2013 the guy was just writing the script for my life essentially and um, I was outside an establishment in Hollywood on a J1 which is where Irish students go to America for the summer and just essentially gargle all day, but pretend it's cultural. And and someone came out to me and said, apparently the Arctic Monkeys are in there. Uh, this someone wasn't someone whose opinion you would trust on anything, let alone identification of artists. So I thought possibly there's just going to be a, um, a prop mover or a sound engineer, someone who knows the Arctic Monkeys is in there. But no, I stood up walked in from the seat and standing at the bar was Alex Turner and not only was it Alex Turner was Alex Turner bored in conversation talking to Max from The Wanted who unfortunately I had met two nights previously in this same bar um, Max was a City fan so he would just continuously shout in my ear Aguero whilst not been able to name the other scores in the game he was wasn't great for the old comedic timing, Max from The Wanted. But I walk in, he's he's boring the shit out of Alex Turner. How wouldn't he be? He's in The Wanted. Turner's there, drinking a whiskey. Um, looked like he was drinking for a reason. He probably was. Probably just experienced a breakup that was so darn dramatic it was about to become four number one fucking singles. So Turner was happy to see me because I was escape from Max from The Wanted. So the conversation ended up going on for 15 minutes, and I was trying to tone down that I'm 20 and I idolise you things. We were talking about things like football. And um, then we, we got told to leave the bar. The staff whipped the drink out of his hand as quickly as they did mine, which really lets you know we're in Hollywood. We don't give a shit who Alex Turner is. So we stood at the front of the, the bar. Again, I don't know how this is happening. Um, one of my good friends the day before I went on this trip to California jokingly shouted, after we split a, uh, at the time, poor quality cannabis joint um, behind Tesco. Um, As I walked away, he said, you might see Alex Turner over there. We just laughed. But here I am, 20, having a cigarette out the front of a shithole that has a mechanical bull in the middle and fucking punching machines all around it. I'm standing at the front of this place talking to Alex Turner. Some girl who I knew was also there and she didn't know where we were. She was looking to get a taxi of some sort and me and Turner are standing outside and she goes, in a horribly pitched South Dublin accent, are we getting a taxi? I was like, oh my God. And then she she sees him with somebody and goes, "Oh, sorry, what's your name? What's your name? To the guy who wrote Marty Bum And a certain romance. Um, And Turner proved um, the kind of man he was and the class that he had by just calmly putting his hand out and going, Alex, what's yours? So I fucking ushered her away. Get the fuck out of here. I don't give a shit if you get hit by a car on the way home standing with Alex Turner. So Turner then, after that awkward exchange, went into himself just a little bit because he was kind of shocked. Okay, listen, I thought we were having deep music and football conversation at the bar what the fuck is with the chick with the peroxide hair saying what's your name so then he asked another mate I was with so when are you going home he referred to small talk and I was going fucking bollocks because there'd been great storytelling so far but I was looking to get to the poetry when is he giving me that quip that line that stays with me and then I thought shit never meet your heroes of course that's his job he's just an ordinary guy and my friend at the time said, Wednesday. We're going home Wednesday. And Alex Turner, being from Sheffield, been a fan of the Owls, Sheffield Wednesday, who have a famous song that goes, we're all Wednesday, aren't we? Um, takes his one opportunity to be poetic um, around a guy who might have Chapman the bastard if I didn't meet him. I mean, I was really into him. He took a drag of a cigarette, one of those American ones, all white, no brown tip. He had the do-up haircut. He had a leather jacket on. This is all true. There's photo evidence of it. And when my friend said Wednesday, Turner just kind of turned to me again, shared a smirk, and restarted our deep conversation by just going, We're all Wednesday, aren't we? We're all Wednesday, aren't we? Uh, we spent another 10 minutes together until his mate and me got into a barney about the pending um, season for Manchester United, which would have been Moises. And the conversation got so heated around football that he kind of pulled Turner off and they walked into the distance. Touches me greatly, this latest record. And I hope, I hope that the majority of you have the ability to recognise the genius, and the genius of others. I'm not a big rap guy, uh, although those who are rap guys will tell you that this guy's early records are some of the best ever produced, um, as well as the records he was involved in before he became famous, such as Jay-Z's Blueprint 1. I think people really understand the musical genius, whether or not you're into the genre or not, of Kanye West. And Yay, I would now respectfully call him. Because although... I was skeptical about this guy due to the fact that he married the Kardashians and all that. Now I'm starting to see a guy who's exposing the false sympathetic narrative the white media have used to continue their control over the black community ever since they were taken against their will on fucking ships and battered and raped and forced to fucking serve. Uh, And I don't just mean the white man and his wife, their dinner. I mean at the front line in places like Vietnam and Korea and lose their life that dwarfs the white soldiers that um, attended such wars in the name of preserving whiteness. Kanye West is trying to tell us that he's sick of a black man being idolized as long as he plays the white man's game. People think Kanye West is wearing that Trump hat because he's a Trump supporter. He wears the White Lives Matter t-shirt because he's anti-black. Kanye West is the son of a black panther. Kanye West is the least anti-black guy who ever existed. Kanye West is wearing them to expose the fact that we demand that black people play the victim game the way we, the white man, want them to do it. And we want them to respond and retaliate in a controlled way in which we give a certain amount of responsibility and then they accept That responsibility. And then we move forward and move forward. We give them a little bit more. They take a bit more. We allow them then of high power jobs. We put Mika Richards and Clinton Morrison on TV more than we do their white counterparts and pretend like it's equality. When really it's just a continuous patronization and dismissal of them as as human beings. The white man is behind wokeness. Although it seems like it's backing the minorities and women and homosexuals. And people who identify as transgender. It's not. Wokeness suits white because it now sells. So when when somebody breaks it. The first thing they do is take your money. You lose your brand deals. Because the only way a black man can actually achieve a voice. Is by having money. And that's where Kanye won me over. With his suggestions that. The reason he moved away from revolution temporarily. And towards shoe selling and towards unit sales of music, is because his father did tell him that the only reason they can fear you is because you're black and rich. So the fact that he got the money first, and is now willing to lose absolutely everything, at a rate that he points out, is only possible due to the fact that he's a black man. I mean, we have um, apparently... Um, left-leaning YouTubers now who celebrate the porn industry with 14-year-olds watching it in which 14-year-olds can then log on to the porn site and masturbate to women getting raped um, because a lot of porn direction is geared towards male possession over the woman, submission, neck holding, choke holding, tying up, all the above. So although some people uh, seem to think by now promoting porn stars in interviews and hearing their opinions on the industry, we're moving closer to gender equality by letting them know we're not judging them for selling their arse and fanny, for footage to be consumed by males. What we're really doing is having abused actresses who were unaware that they have been abused, further abused, by brainwashing them into thinking that they're contributing to some sort of discourse or entertainment by giving them endless amounts of money. So yeah, they can still get a whopper gaff and they can still never go hungry and they don't have to sell their fannies or get throat raped anymore but in reality they're just getting rewarded for not just originally selling their arse but now us allowing them to pretend they're not traumatized so we no longer have the porn stars going i don't know why i used to do it and just getting one new special whilst feeding a baby on each tit now they're saying yeah i regret i ever did porn but look at my whopper youtube channel look at my mansion we controlled their response to the trauma with financial reward that meant that they couldn't end it or criticize it. So now you have a lot of people starting in porn for different reasons. They're no longer doing it to afford the pot noodles or because they have daddy issues. They're doing it to be famous, but they're still doing something that teaches young men how to continue a patriarchy in which we objectify women and pretend that their asses should have dicks put in them and pretend that they want to be fisted vaginally or spat on or spanked, or want to pretend that you're their daddy or are so thick that they get stuck in couches or sometimes have sleepwalking habits, which involves sucking their stepbrothers. It's it's the most patronizing shit ever. But they're, they're chasing the fame now for a different reason, but they're still doing the same thing. We're getting the same reward. We're just pretending to these women that they're more important or it's a better life. Money. So as Kanye West is saying, although he's been put into a position of power as a black man and himself and Jay-Z and Beyonce and even Michael Jordan and all these people um, are allowed to come across as powerful individuals. We still demand that they stay in our lane regarding the narrative. And as he said, he went to a doctor and because he's verbose, he was accused of being crazy because any man who's willing to give up Uh, record deals or shoe deals or his public reputation in order to say what he feels must just be mental. He mustn't have something to say. But Kanye West was told he had some kind of personality disorder. They tried to put him on medication and as he says, he didn't take it for two reasons. One, um, when the allegations by the media that he was now crazy because he turned his back and demanded that Kim Kardashian, whose father played a role In getting someone off of perhaps the most public misogynistic attack ever in which her no longer wanting to shag him and shag someone else resulted in her murder whilst using a fake racism narrative in order to get OJ off pretending that it was a racial attack and abusing uh, the Rodney King beatings and the fact that black people really oppressed in order to get what he wanted, once again, like his daughters do now, by getting in this conveyor belt of black partners who they just kind of fuck up along the way. They get the kids off these guys because they're, they're probably into, like, fucking super genetics because they're probably Nazi as fuck underneath it all whilst they're pretending that Kanye is because that's what people do. They deflect their real fucking inadequacies onto other people when the fucking crowd's closing in on them. They, they love the kids of, of Black Stars because they want the possibility of the kids being been, A, aesthetically beautiful, Be uh, have a a future possibly in in any of the things their fathers did, which is sellable, which guarantees elongated fame. Any man who steps away from that and thinks that these people are not only abusing the beauty of blackness with their fake arses, fake lips and fake tits, whilst remaining relatively white in complexion, that means they can have all the physical beauty that we associate with African genetics, but still have the power of white skin when it comes to fucking business time. When he doesn't want his kids to go into that, he must be crazy. So with with him knowing why they were setting him up as being mentally ill, he said he didn't want to take the pills for two reasons. Number one, he wouldn't be able to explain himself when the allegations started and defend himself in a clear manner. And number two, he didn't want a pill swap reminiscent of what happened with Prince and Michael Jackson. Two other uh, individuals that were geniuses in their own right, and although flawed, um, geniuses, controlled by a white media and told what level of blackness they were allowed to present, and it drove them both fucking insane. With Prince becoming so mysterious and introverted that he came across as autistic, and Michael Jackson dying his fucking skin white Kanye didn't want to play the whole you're calling me crazy game because he knows how it ends. Possibly premature death. And he didn't want to have his brain numbed so that him and Kim could do a special with Oprah in two years in which Kim sits beside him and goes, yeah, he's doing so much better now. Ever since, aren't you, baby? And he would sit there and then say, you know, I went crazy for it. No, he said, fuck this. I'm telling the truth the whole way and he's willing to lose it all the guy was on the cusp of becoming a billionaire and unless he has a sensational legal thing which he probably does because he probably has much more power and reserve than one would think looking at it but unless he does he could have grey hair and just become like an Arsenio Hall formerly famous black character And he could lose fame at a velocity that no white contemporary could. So in a way, I think, although they're accusing him of not supporting fellow brothers with his comments about George Floyd or saying he's anti-Semitic, what he's doing is showing us the real face of racism. Have you ever seen a quicker fall from grace than what's happening with Kanye West? The level of fame he was at, like touching... Bob Dylan McCartney was doing tunes at him like a really stupid level of fame. He's now chatting to to Pierce Morgan days after the comment. they've stripped him of everything, and it's going to be a fascinating watch, but the likes of him, I believe, are the the real black voice that the world has been missing, and you're all getting tricked into thinking otherwise by sharing your black squares on Instagram due to the George Floyd issue, which is a class issue. And you will be told by a white-controlled media that black men who are saying, we don't want this form of racial awareness, black men, Kanye West, guys who know the struggle in comparison to us, or the white elite in America who still make the, the decisions at executive level, we will be told these people are crazy because they're really exposing the problem. Yes, we were mistreated. Yes, we were manhandled. But... We will fight our own battle and we won't do it at your pace. And we won't now be fucking pawns on your fucking chessboard. And if we want to wear a Trump hat, it's because we're entitled to. I thought you gave us a vote. I thought you gave us a voice. You never said to us, but we will move with the time slowly and pretend to become more left wing and you can join into that level accordingly. And just kind of marry each other, get extremely famous. As Kanye said, even the product they sell in the music industry when it comes to black people, it's about them killing each other. It's about them fucking each other. No real entrance point for what we will consider artistic lyrics. He's not playing the game. Fuck all of you. I know what the oppression was. I will do it my way. And if I want to wear a Trump hat... Don't turn that into bigger news than a white celebrity doing it. Although big news, you're making it bigger because it's me, because you're claiming I'm betraying my people. But what you're really saying is, look at this white celebrity have an independent thought that we're not forced him to have. How appalling is that? But look at this fucking black one. How dare he break the narrative of the powerful? The fucking audacity. I thought we made you fucking equal play the fucking game you're betraying your own people to Kanye West a guy who's inspired more black children to believe that they could achieve than any person writing an article about why he is racist a guy who just doesn't play the game who we've always stitched up as being crazy because he goes on stage and says I'm sorry but Beyonce had he was right it was inappropriate we get it but yeah, let people complain on Twitter. Let people take six, seven years and make subtle comments with present presenting awards and then maybe wait for affirmative action to give out too many awards to black people at the ceremony to a point where it's just patronising and they don't deserve them. But what he did is he went on stage, not necessarily for his own fame, but because he just wanted to make the point very fucking clear and in the public eye. Taylor Swift didn't deserve this award, had a Beyoncé, and I believe it's racially motivated. Fair play to him. He wasn't crazy. He was doing what we all believe or would like to believe we would do if we had a position of power. Consistently say what we believe and never back down. But it's extremely interesting the minute that somebody from a minority, when someone of that ilk does it, no, no, no. Looper. Lock him up. Medicate him. Dangerous. Light Hitler. That's the latest. Apparently a few years ago he was talking about Hitler. He wanted to name the album after Hitler. Says a former assistant. It's obscene. This is racism. Have a look at it. Have a look at a black independent thinker who isn't really failing to defend any of his ideology. Have a look. And if you believe that Kim Kardashian, that human being who's caused that much damage to society, if you believe that her and an ex are having problems by the way his fame is founded on musical genius his ability to write and express himself hers is off being Robert Kardashian's daughter and shagging someone on camera and deliberately leaking it if you believe that she's right and he's crazy and you don't think that something has come in between yourself and reality in the form of poisonous media that manipulates us in the form of short edited clips and excessive information that has numbed our minds, well, then you no longer own your own brain. You are part of a dystopia then, unfortunately. And there's minor manifestations of that. You see people who argue that Ronaldo's a better footballer than Messi. I'm a huge Cristiano Ronaldo guy. He influenced my youth um, to an unbelievable extent. But there's human beings out there who who do argue that he's a better footballer than Leo Messi based off nothing but the glorification of his appearance and the marketing that surrounds him. And social media played a huge role in that with clipping skills and, and selling the idea of his mother watching him in tears in the stand. Ronaldo can't touch Messi as a footballer, some say he's the best goal scorer of all time, he doesn't have as good a goal ratio as Messi either, club goals, Cristiano Ronaldo point seven four per club game, Lionel Messi .83 per club game, so that's just made up and we accept it, similar to the way in which we watch the Kardashians and pretend it wasn't founded off the shit we all know it was founded we just accept that we pretend that didn't happen we we pretend Messi's not as good as a goal scorer because football needs the debate in the continuous Americanization of football we needed a GOAT debate so we pretend that Ronaldo's a better goal scorer even though Messi has better statistics and yes Ronaldo's better in the air he's more athletic you know, we get that but Messi's better at every single other facet of the game he's the greatest playmaker of his generation and he's the greatest goal scorer. It, 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 it doesn't, it's, not, it's, it's, it's such a stupid debate. It's not worthy of further analysis. But on a micro level, we're already robotic enough. But this one's so obvious. And we have a guy on one side that's not just against somebody as irrelevant as Kim Kardashian, but the media as a whole, who's trying to teach us a lesson and trying to explain to us that I can be that trigger for change. If we really want equality, it doesn't come off the black squares or the footage of a knee on a neck. Law enforcement was vilified instantly. There was no argument. He murdered them, apparently, in front of all of us, visually. All the great movements and all the great revolutions have had doubters, serious fucking doubters, though. Not just people you could accuse as being crazy and right-wing because you want to be your fucking hippie granny from back in the 60s, but genuinely friends and family who aren't understanding what you're talking about. That's how all great stories that ignited change occurred. When the boys in the GPO started arising, that was an inciting incident of getting the Brits out of Naherden. Most of the people in Dublin thought they were scum. Their grandkids are now singing trad tunes and boozers. James Joyce wasn't liked in Ireland when he was writing and giving the best advertisement for our city that anyone has ever fucking given. Now people drop his name to pull women abroad. Stop thinking he's crazy and try your best to listen to what he's saying. And if you're somebody who's over the age of 25 and you dressed up this Halloween, don't try and listen. Just give up. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, exciting guests coming up. Thanks for tuning in animation. It's been how many years, my oh, boy? Oh, 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 you audio still picks. don't know, my chairs of joy. No need to go, just take Radio it slow. Like and have you heard the Michael Anthony show? What's the It oh, makes me see the light. What about those cheers? Believe my eyes. The hell's it make a fair? makes me feel alright.